0: It's time to Accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 715 715 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Hey, I have another excellent episode lined up for you today. My guest is David J.P. Fisher. David's a Chicago-based sales expert, keynote speaker, and an author. And he's been on Accelerate before, and it's always a pleasure to talk with him. And today we're going to talk about empathy. You know, the term empathy, I think, has become almost a cliche in sales. And every seller thinks they have it, and most, unfortunately, don't. Now, is that due to a misunderstanding of what empathy is, or is it just a plain lack of caring? I mean, it's like checking a box. Uh, Yeah, sure, I've got empathy people believe. Well, you want to stay tuned because you're going to learn how to develop your ability to be empathic and develop that deep trust-based relationships with your buyers. Now, before we get to David, I want to take a quick second to talk about the sales house, sales performance program for B2B sellers. In the sales house, you receive everything you didn't get from sales training but really needed, namely tools to master the skills to elevate you from average to excellent And doing it by winning more of your opportunities. So, I mean, you know, you've been trained how to build a relationship with a prospect, but do you know the four core relationship skills that will enable you to build an incredibly effective, trust-based relationship with any buyer? I mean, you've been trained how to do a discovery call, but do you know the two most important pieces of information you need to learn from your prospects? I mean, knowing these will make all the difference between winning and losing. I mean, you've been coached on a qualifying opportunity, but do you know the one agreement you need, absolutely need, to reach with your prospect before they can become truly qualified? Well, I mean, if you're not completely satisfied with your ability to win deals, then the sales house is the resource you need to reach the next level, and quite frankly, the level above that. So, members get unlimited access to checklists, playbooks, courses, coaching, mentoring, and an engaged community of other members to help you sell with more confidence, trust, impact, and acumen. So, to learn more, join the sales house, come to be the best version of you, the best sales version of you for sure, visit the saleshouse.com. That is thesaleshouse.com. All right, let's jump into it. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to chat. Always a pleasure to chat with you. And, uh, gosh, I think you have a new baby on the horizon, right?
1: Uh, we do just a couple months uh, down the road, so gotta uh, gotta pack in as much as I
0: can right now because I'm gonna be a little busy <laughs> for a while. Spoken like a first-time father.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right.
0: <laughs> if it wasn't, you wouldn't be having these dreams about freedom and so on. As, as you would already be in the midst of it.
1: Yeah, I you know I'm the oldest of five kids, and I look at my parents. And I'm like, how did you do this? With four of us already running around, so yeah, yeah. we'll start with one, and then we'll we'll work from there and see. Well, I, have things this,
0: go. I have this very distinct memory with the birth of my first child. Uh, my ex-wife was staying in the hospital overnight, and with the the baby, obviously, and and so I had this sort of unplanned night because we had thought maybe she was going to be coming home that same day, but uh, they said to keep her and. And I remember going out and there was a place I liked as we lived in Palo Alto at the time and had these great hamburgers, get a couple of hamburgers, a couple of beers. I remember just sitting watching a game or something and and thinking. Yeah. Last meal. Well, not not last meal. It wasn't. It was just memorable because it was like sir. It was sir, like one of the last times, you know, in that mm-hmm. that environment. And uh Really well, we're excited.
1: We're excited. So.
0: Yeah, well, you should be. It's gonna be. It's always a lot of fun, a lot of stress, a lot of challenge, but always a lot yeah, of fun.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. All Good. right. Well, we can talk sales now if we want. I guess. I mean... We don't have I to. That's
1: what people want to hear about. The
0: people can always <laughs> switch to a different podcast if they don't like what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, we were going to talk about the topic of empathy in sales. Mm-hmm. Because certainly, yep. empathy... Is one of these words that's sort of thrown out, like relationships, value. So it's sort of one of the core buzzwords that really perhaps like value, like relationships, a lot of sellers really don't understand. Right. For sure. And it's not that they don't understand the, the dictionary definition of it, but really don't understand the context of sales. So so let's dig into that because I know it's something you you that's important to you. So Yeah. In your words, how do you define empathy in a sales context?
1: It's a great question. so for me, empathy in a sales context is the ability to um, understand and make sense of someone else's perspective in a conversation right so it's it's something that we do in human human interactions all the time It's our ability to see something from somebody else's point of view. I think we often confuse empathy with sympathy, right? That we have to feel the same thing that people do. But at its very base level, it's just the ability to go, oh, if I was in that person's shoes, I I would view my proposal in X, Y, and Z way because of reason A, B, and C. And so the more that we can get into somebody's head and understand things from their perspective, it obviously has a lot of uh, benefits as we are walking them through their their buying process. So that's how that's how I would define it.
0: And okay, well, I mean, I don't have any disagreement with that. I mean, I think that <laughs> that <laughs> come on, we gotta disagree about something here, Andy. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> as you and I've had a conversation in the past about. Uh, yeah, you know, there's certain people writing about empathy, like Paul Bloom's written a book uh, against mm-hmm. empathy as the title, which right. talks about the fact that that the f- most commonly f- used form of empathy he believes that that we teach people and that we talk about is this ability to feel what other people are feeling, mm-hmm. is as opposed to the more dispassionate <laughs> understanding what they are feeling, right? Which he believes is a much more constructive way to. I think he calls that rational compassion, uh, Yeah, is is more than emotional compassion, it, which is the first case, is much much better approach to take. And I think for sales, this is a really important distinction to make because you know we we tend to fall into this whole thing talking about pain points and so on, is we're not there to feel their pain. We're there to mm-hmm. understand their pain or the source of the pain.
1: Absolutely. And and I, I think where you can look at kind of the The overlap of that idea of emotional empathy and rational empathy is exactly what you said, the ability to understand why they might be in pain, right? The the ability to go, oh, I can see why you might need to get um, more efficiency from your production line, or I can see why you might want to be saving prices. I understand the uh, emotional need behind that. But to your point, you don't have to actually jump into the pool with them. Right. And I think as a buyer um, or I'm sorry, as a seller, in fact, the people that are very successful are the ones who can, um, you, again, kind of get it without having to live it with them. Right. And, and something I know we've talked about in the past is, you know, the seller's ability to guide people through their buying journey mm-hmm. Right, it, to make decisions better, faster, more effectively. Um, you kind of have to have that that dispassionate approach. Um, To be able to see the 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 forest and not just the trees, and so the more that we can develop that that skill on uh, on an emotional level to be able to understand emotions, but then again to go to that next level, which is what I think a lot of sellers don't do, which is go, okay, I get why you're here emotionally, but let's let's look at you know how we get past that pain, for example.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's to me there's even a a sort of another interim step because I think that. Emotions or, or empathy, excuse me, sort of become commoditized, right? We've mm-hmm. sort of like value in relationships like and so yeah. on. We yeah. we sort of toss these words out without really understanding from a practical standpoint mm-hmm. what that means. And I see it sort of tied up both with curiosity and with listening. Oh, right? for sure. And so I wanted to dive into this this topic about okay, sort of established its its ability to understand. Uh, you know, people's situation, people's condition. Mm-hmm. I think there's another level to it I want to get to, but but um really how do how do people sort of begin to develop it? Because you and I have talked in the past about a a book we both really enjoyed called Humans Are Underrated by yeah. um Jeffrey Cole. Jeff yeah. Right. and I've had Jeff on the show and one of the points made in that book is he quotes somebody from Oracle, I think, who said the senior executive from Oracle saying empathy is the critical twenty first century skill. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with him. Well, why do you think that's the case? And I, I and I can I'll tell you why he thinks it is, but and I agree with him. But go ahead.
1: Yeah. So. Uh- I think the reason why is if we look at uh, and even going back to, to Jeff's book, the idea that in the 20th century, and especially from a sales process point of view, we were trying to get salespeople to be more machine-like. Right? Can you can you make more phone calls? Can you get more people into the pipeline? Put them through a very defined and rigorous sales process where you ask certain questions a certain way to
0: get certain discovery. Now, do you see um, that 20th century or 21st century? So uh, I see I that more a, 21st century. I know the, I know it started in the 20th, but I mean Yeah.
1: Okay, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I would say the second half of the 20th century for sure. Like when you look 50s, 60s, 70s into the 80s. That's kind of where I would guess. And I think it really hit its height kind of at the end, right? Where you did have um, you know just these very elaborate sales processes. I mean, it started by people like David Sandler, you know, in the middle of the century, and it kind of kept getting more and more you know there's seven steps or nine steps or 11 steps or 73 steps sure, whatever sure right um but it was just this idea like if we as humans can be more like machines we're going to be successful and all of a sudden the machines caught up right and that's what we're seeing with a lot of the technology that is coming into the sales process taking over some of those routine you know rote activities so what makes us human, and I, you know, Jeff would argue, I think, uh, not to put words in about that, what makes us human on some levels is our empathy and our ability to um, to create that connection between human beings. And so I think that if you can develop that skill, um, which most of us have intuitively unless we're sociopaths, but if you can get very intentional about it, it becomes a, a very powerful tool that you can bring into all kinds of relationships,
0: but definitely into the business and sales ones. Well, it's interesting. Your, your comment about sociopaths is, but isn't having more rigidly defined processes serve, you know, legislating and mechanizing empathy out of the process to some degree?
1: Uh, well, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can say you can you can tell people look. Step three, this is where we're going to turn on the empathy and really, but as soon as you say it, this is where we're going to turn on the empathy is all the empathy disappears.
1: Right. And, and you, you have those conversations with, with, uh, salespeople who are being sold to where you can tell that that's where they, uh, had their training and they were told by their, their sales manager. Here's where you say the empathetic thing. Right.
0: And how does or, that make, and how does that make you feel? how does that
1: make you feel? Or I, I was actually just, I made a video about this, you know, the, uh, incessant use of your name in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody heard, uh, it, you know, it's something that came about at some point and has been paired to so many. If I say Andy a bunch of times during our conversation, Andy, you're going to pay a lot more attention to me, Andy. And then when I ask you to buy Andy, you're going to say yes, Andy. Oh, come on. <laughs> it doesn't work. That
0: way. Yeah. No, no, I I find that hugely annoying. <laughs> yeah,
1: incredibly, incredibly, I actually have stopped salespeople and said, "Stop saying that. It's not working for you. You're about to lose the sales.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, which is almost as bad as people saying. This is a male thing. Is buddy or pal? Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And I and again, people are doing this somewhat. Well, not somewhat. Completely carelessly, but I think out of the mistaken mm-hmm. assumption that somehow this is this is part of being more human, as if I have this false familiarity with somebody
1: yeah and, and well that brings up a good point because it going back to this idea of empathy not being about emotion empathy is not um about being best friends with someone right and i think that that's uh, uh, some something that a lot of um people get confused about they're like well if i'm going to develop empathy with you then we're going to be best friends and so i have and conversely if i'm your best friend we're going to have empathy um, and that's where I think to your point of going to this emotion just this emotional level no that's not really what empathy is it is that higher um, you know rationalistic or kind of the, the meta um, ability to see what's happening in that prospects mind or in that customer's mind and then addressing that effectively to help them move forward
0: yeah well I think we' where, where people fall short sellers fall short and and so this is I think something to explore a little bit is is that excuse me they don't ask that really that follow-on question to really understand what the situation means for the person mm-hmm. they, there's assumptions made and they might take yep. the first answer but they don't take that next step and again they're not trying to feel the person's pain you're trying to understand the situation oh, and yeah. and that's really for me is the core to empathy is this understanding It's it's not Feeling it's understanding, mm-hmm. and but to understand, we need to make sure we are fully informed.
1: A hundred percent. you know, to your point about uh, listening being an incredibly part important part of empathy. I, I think it's funny that listening is so critical and it's always talked about, but yet we're so bad at it. <laughs> and you know, the average seller, I think, listens to even a conversation like you and I are having. They go, "Oh, empathy is important, so I'm going to ask questions." And they ask a question, but they don't ask it to actually understand. They ask it so that then they can say, oh, I get it, and then say exactly what they were going to say anyways, right? Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're, they're asking questions just to get to their own response. Um, and that's, I think, that mechanistic um, habit or um, systems that we, we kind of have. Like, yeah, the, the seven steps of the sale. So at this point, I'm going to ask this question, but no matter what they say, I'm going to just answer this because that's what's in my sales manual and move from there. Versus the idea of, to your point, going, why do you, why are we having this conversation? You know, why are you even willing to talk to me about the services we provide? Oh, we're uh, we need more efficiency. Okay, what what does that mean to you? What is efficiency defined? Mm-hmm, at? Mm-hmm. They say that next that next level, and then even asking them again. Okay, how is that impacting your job? How is that impacting exactly. You know what you you know your emotional. State is based, uh, you know, on your job, right? Well, I'm freaked out because, you know, I we're getting pressure from the C-suite to to cut costs. But I know that if we cut costs in this place, we're gonna have better a worse customer experience. Oh, if you can understand that again, you don't have to feel
0: it, but you can understand and go, oh, that's where this person's coming from, and that,
1: it, navigate it.
0: Sure, right? and it's okay to empathize then at that point and say that must be difficult for you that must be hard i understand mm-hmm. you don't want to say oh yeah you know, jump into your own story yeah i've been there a million times <laughs> that's really that's really going to suck watch out week 2 you know right 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 <laughs> but it's just just again just be a human being and say i get it yeah that that sounds like that could be challenging
1: yeah i i two of the most powerful words in a salesperson's vocabulary in my opinion are i understand
0: mhm You know,
1: I, I, something I've said my entire career is I get it. Right. That's just my, my colloquial way of saying it, but it's like, I get it. You know, if somebody says to you, man, we just, we'd love to move forward with you. We just don't have the budget. I get it. Right. I've been in places where I wanted to get something I couldn't now. That doesn't mean I'm just gonna say, okay, bye. But if I don't at least acknowledge that, then I'm being disingenuous and we're not going to have a a good conversation because I'm not understanding where they're coming from.
0: Yeah. that's, that's, (laughs) And for people listening, it's not enough to say, "Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it."
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? You have to actually feel it.
0: Yeah, right. you, and it will come across if you actually feel it. And that's that's why I, I like I like using the word "I understand" because it's like very formal. Hey, I understand. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this must be a challenge for you, and yeah. always put it back into the the context of them. I understand why it's a challenge for you, and that's fine. And yeah, the whole idea about I have to feel your pain, all that. Yeah, let's just let's just keep on the rational, logical side, because they're feeling the emotion, and you right. acknowledge that there is emotion there. You understand, but uh, as we said before, if you get too bound up on the emotional side, then it starts clouding your judgment as well.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. And if you you think about what our job is in this um, scenario, you know, I, I talk about in my books the idea of being a sales sherpa, right? Being a guy. Mm-hmm. It's like your job isn't to get caught up in it, they they do want out. You, you don't want your doctor to walk into the room and you got a you know broken leg and have a broken leg. You want them to be, I, I get why that hurts, right? I've been doing this a long time. Let me tell you how we're going to fix this so that you don't have to have that pain anymore. That's, I want the dispassionate, rational, <laughs> yeah. What you know, you
0: don't want the doctor crying while he's setting your leg,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, this but, must really
0: hurt you, <laughs> <laughs> but.
1: Right. That's what I I think happens a lot um, in the sales world because it is sometimes hard to find the right balance. And so sometimes salespeople take, they go, Well, if I'm not supposed to be completely dispassionate and closed off, they go too far the other way. Right. And they do kind of almost get that weepy, Oh, man, I've got to get these guys a discount because things are so tough for them right now. And they're in so much pain. And oh, I got to help. That doesn't necessarily help either. Right. So it's always about finding that middle ground.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that is hard for for sellers, especially mm-hmm. if they're not receiving the type of coaching and mentoring they need to sort of help them see what what's appropriate for the situation.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's that's why they're here listening to us, and, and <laughs> you know, that's why they're in the sales house getting that coaching and training that they need.
0: There you go. Thanks for the plug. I'd, I'll pay you later. No that uh, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um okay well I just look at my my questions are because gosh we've, we've made so much progress through it um, nice. <laughs> well I think what's sort of the logical next step for empathy though is this whole idea of trust then is mm-hmm. is I think that the the buyer your buyer needs to feel a certain level of, of sincerity and off- authenticity and empathy from you mm-hmm. in order to take that next step to trust because empathy precedes trust and maybe even before we we get to to trust is let's, let's we sort of Skimmed over the uh, the listening part because to mm-hmm. me empathy really stems from listening. Oh, right is yeah. is yeah. We talk about it as sort of this human sales skill, and people want to think, well, it's intuitive, blah 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 blah, which it, it really isn't to most people, I think. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was talking to somebody, he and we were talking about all this lack of empathy. As sellers have a hard time, and yeah, the human connection, not being curious about other people, and. You know, why are we still dealing with all these issues in sales? And he was wondering why, why I thought that you know we were still dealing with these things mm-hmm. after 130 years of modern, <laughs> modern American selling. Right. My answer was, bad parenting.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Well, bad parenting and, and bad uh, schooling, right? Because mm-hmm. if you put in through, you know, at least the American education system over the last 130 years is Sit down, shut up. Sit in your desk. Don't talk, right? Just walk, listen to the teacher. Do your test. There, there are many ways. You know, after you get past like kindergarten, you don't have as much chance to practice those skills, right? Except for the the, the playground and the lunchroom. That's it.
0: Yeah. Um, well, so. I, yeah. and sales, I, first and foremost, you just want people who can be human beings, good mm-hmm. people. And wow. if you hire people, and I interviewed a guy on my show, Tony Chan who had written a book called I think called Good People. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston, a great book. Just saying, look, the first thing I focus on, and we have our portfolio companies focus on, is less than the qualifications is, are they just good people?
1: Yeah. I, I uh, often coach uh, business owners when they're hiring salespeople. I'm like, the first thing you're looking for is emotional stability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, like, it's, same way of saying, is this a good person? I can teach them how to close. I can teach them how to do a sales presentation. I can teach you them about the proctor service. But if they're coming to you um, with some dysfunction or, you know, they just haven't had as much chance to practice,
0: being a good person, I mean that's kind of that's a recipe hard. for
1: disaster. Yeah.
0: It is hard. Yeah. I, and yeah, not to digress too much. And
1: <laughs> right.
0: but I think it's it's something for people who are perhaps in sales, looking for new jobs, uh, or aspiring to get in sales first time, or sales managers hiring is Yeah, if if -hmm. the personal life is messy and dysfunctional as you talked about, it is it is hard to be good at sales. It's hard to doesn't mean you can't become Mm -hmm. but I can even look at my own (laughs) own life where you know, period is going through a separation of my marriage where Yeah, you can't completely divorce yourself from those things.
1: Who you are at home is who you are at the office, right, to a certain degree. (laughs) Yeah, that's Starting up, but I wanted to actually—that you were asking about how you develop the listening skills, or shouldn't these just be intuitive? I think that for most of us, these are intuitive skills, but a a lot of times we don't think that we can bring them into the office or into the workspace, or they they aren't to our point about bad parenting, bad schooling—that they they aren't cultivated um, throughout our lives, and so we kind of start to to push them down. I think for a lot of salespeople, it's not about um, learning these skills, as it's almost like remembering them or um, just being intentional about it. If you're, you know, almost kind of think about how you interact with a significant other, a good friend, we, mm-hmm. we often have these intuitive, empathetic skills. It's just a matter of being a little more deliberate um, when we go into the office, you know, of a, of a prospect, for example, and go, okay, I can bring that in i 'm going to be a little more aware because this is a workspace you know i'm not just hanging out with my wife on the couch at the end of the week, uh, talking about our, our weeks, but it, it's not a, again about learning these skills as much as kind of bringing them into a new context and being intentional and deliver
0: with how you how you use them. Does that make sense? Well, it does, um, but how are we how are we training people to do that
1: right so
0: I mean the, a couple of places that
1: I suggest most people to start is um you, the idea of listening itself is um, making it a habit, and, and and just like anything you're bringing to a, a sales presentation or a, a sales conversation, it, it just requires some some deep intent right in the beginning. Right, is asking the next question. So to your point, a lot of times we ask that first question, and then we just keep moving on. It's almost forcing yourself to do that. Say, hey, every time a customer for the next week. Answers a question. I'm going to ask one more question, mm-hmm. uh, and y- because it's a new habit to establish, and it can be as simple as that. Writing down on your notepad, if you're you know an outside sales, you're talking person, just have written down you know really big. Ask one more question.
0: And what uh, is that question?
1: It could. It depends a little bit on context, but it could be as simple as, um, "How does that affect you?" Right. Mm-hmm. What, what is uh, one thing I, I like to ask and you said assumptions what does that mean to you what does x mean to you so they they said um again we need more efficiency i don't know if we're going to have budget for this you know we've got these pressures okay gotcha i totally understand what what do what do those pressures look like right what effect does that have what whatever it is it's it's just letting them continue to go down the path of their thinking mm-hmm. and kind of scratching the surface a little bit because one, you're going to get a lot of great information, uh, but two, and, and not to dive into the trust part, but man, there's so few opportunities for us to share what we're, our challenges are. And so, when you, as a, a human being, in, in this case, in the sales capacity, go, "Hey, tell me about what's really, you know, irking you right now, and what's, you know, tell me about your perspective and what you're thinking." People will open up and tell you things and trust you a lot more you, you've created more of that human connection mm-hmm. as well. so I mean that's one place i would I'd really suggest um, the other thing that I think is really valuable and this is especially for sales leadership you know in debriefs um, you know and hopefully you're debriefing salespeople after their their conversations maybe you're not but you know asking them uh, especially with no sales this was always um, powerful for me why didn't you get the sale
0: um, you know in a, the, in a loss uh, or a no decision?
1: Either both. Like anytime you did not get the sale, say what no decision, why? No sale, why? And as a sales leader, um, and you can do this to yourself if you're self-managing yourself, whatever that first answer is, ask why again. Because that first answer is usually, oh, oh they didn't have the budget. Well, why not? Right. And it requires a little bit of digging down, but it helps um, us as salespeople understand oh, I'm not really understanding the motivations of my uh, prospects and clients. And if you can get, and if you can continue to harp on that, then the salesperson goes, hey, I know my manager's going to ask me about the why, so I might as well ask this question. So I have something to tell Mm -hmm. them. And then, boom, all of a sudden they're they're having this conversation. They're like, oh, wow, I can actually respond effectively to that.
0: Yeah. Well, you're, as a new parent or soon to be a new parent, in about two years, she'll be really tired of that question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's I think it's a good question. It's and I think there's there's there are two variations. I mean, for me, I like the why questions. Yeah, you know, in the debrief mode. Yeah, uh, hopefully, you would know get a salesperson at the time of decision saying they don't have the budget because should have found that out well no, befo- right. well before that. Yeah, uh, and the sales manager should have asked that question well before, but. Um, I think a great a great follow-up question is along the lines of and to the point of getting people to talk is something along the lines of well huh well, that's very interesting what else can you tell me about that perfect right and, sir general and you can ask that again if you're in a conversation you don't want to ask that six times in a row in one conversation but you know use it somewhat selectively you can ask it a couple times in a row as a couple another variation oh that's that's mm-hmm. very interesting tell me more uh, but it's, it's it has to be delivered to your point with intention, it has to be authentic. It's not just rote. You've know, you got to be listening yeah. <laughs> and, because otherwise you are like the two year olds going, why, 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 right. why, why? And you'll, you'll experience that soon enough with their following, yeah. following around the house. <laughs> they, they're asking why and they are not listening to the answer at all. It's, they're just waiting right. for your voice to stop so they can say why.
1: But kids are great salespeople, so we can also learn from you. Know, they're very intuitively. Persistent.
0: They're oftentimes yeah. very good, very persistent. yep.
1: right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I I I think it's the idea of if you want to increase empathy, it, increase listening. When you increase the open-ended questions, it actually forces you to listen, right? Because you don't know um, what their response is going to be, and in some Ways, I think that's actually where then our value comes in on a human level is be able to respond to whatever they're going to say, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I know exactly what you're going to say, well, you don't need a person. You can have a website do that, right? You can have an an AI and a chatbot do that. Mm -hmm. So that's when we talk about the value of empathy. Even you know, in the 21st century in a business context, part of it too is just the human capacity to. Take in whatever they say and do something useful with it
0: right well I think that's that's really critical right is that that rather than selling being a process where it's always the same every time is you really should look at it the other way, which is we have a process, but it's different each and every time I do it, and mm-hmm. therefore am I alive to the differences and right. able to take advantage of those
1: yeah i um I was talked about the difference between um the old sale process, I thought, was very linear. So I, I came up in sales in a very transactional model. I sold Cutco cutlery in people's kitchens, right? And yeah. I, we had It was very transactional. You say this, do this, cut this, chop this up, cut this penny, ask this question.
0: I love my open. Cutco scissors, cutting pennies in half.
1: It's awesome. And yeah. it's an awesome product. And it really works in that transactional model. I, I call what we're in now is more of a sales matrix, where, yes, there is still a process, but it's not necessarily linear. Right. And there's a lot of connections in between, you know, step A and step D. And it might come back and then mm-hmm. we add more information. We added another, you know, hopefully we got all the information front, Sometimes we don't. Now there's another decision maker that came in. Uh, and yeah, so you have to have an overall structure, but you have to have the flexibility within kind of like each of those modules or each of those nodes um, to keep moving things forward. And that's, and humans are very good at that.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think. This is sort of the critical point, is with empathy and listening, actually listening, not just you know, taking it in, but listening and interpreting, is these are things that do differentiate humans from the increasing power of machines and will for the foreseeable future. But it's really your responsibility as a seller to cultivate these skills. If there's one thing that, as a seller, you should really be focusing on not there's only ever just one thing, but right. but listening really becomes top of the game because empathy flows from listening. The best follow-up questions and discovery mm-hmm. come from listening, not from the questions you ask necessarily, but from listening to the answers. And then saying, okay, what's the best question to ask based on what the response I got? Right. It, no, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just waiting for that follow-up question. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So. laughs>
1: well, it's and it's also I think really interesting. Um, so LinkedIn put out their 2018 emerging uh, emerging jobs report mm-hmm. number uh, of 2018, and of the top 10 uh, like biggest jobs that are coming out. This is based on, of course, all of their data. Six of the 10 were sales jobs, mm-hmm. and of the uh, top 10 skill gaps, so, or skills where they see the biggest gaps. Of the top 10, I think it was six or seven of them were what we would call people skills, soft skills. Number one was communication. right? So
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it was the same report, though. I think it was the LinkedIn report that said that in surveying people entering the job force, and also I think people you know, within five years of having started in the workforce, is they thought the hard skills were more important than the soft skills to their future success. And mm-hmm. so here they're self-identifying as the fact that soft skills are the greatest deficiency. Yet, you know, it's this faith, blind faith somehow, that technology is gonna solve their deficiencies, right. Which it's not. No, nope. you know, this is where we live in a world full of humans, and while technology is fantastic, it addresses certain things in this particular endeavor, uh, yeah, human to human soft skills, empathy, listening, being humid, asking the right questions, you know, being a source of value are still paramount.
1: Right. And it's and it's unfortunately, it's hard to quantify a lot of these, which is what makes it very challenging for people and organizations, I think, sometimes to put the time and effort into cultivating them. Right. It's 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 hard to judge your empathy and go, you know what, I I have a seven percent increase in empathy because of my my training last year, but yet we, we don't even have to go as far. We can look at our own lives and go, Hey, there's people that I like. And there's people I don't like, you know, there's friends I have, there's friends I enjoy spending time with friends. Maybe I don't spend as much time with their family. I don't want to spend as much time with when you really get down to it more than anything. It's often these people skills are the reason why we choose to spend time with people in our personal lives. So, you know, it's going to have an effect on our professional lives as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and it it is already. So, to the point, Colvin talks about in his book is those people who are going to succeed in the twenty first century are Mm -hmm. those first and foremost that master the art of becoming what he his quote is more intensely human. And Uh I think this is this is really yeah a great way to sort of summarize what we've been talking about and finish up here today is is. This is the watchword is, is, yes, you need to master the technologies, as we mm-hmm. all use them in sales, but your success, your ultimate success, you know to ability to achieve your career goals, to get from where you are today to where you want to be, to win more deals, it's going to be based on your ability to become more human, not less.
1: Amen, brother. Could, hey! Don't have anything to add to it. That's perfect.
0: All right, On my show. Sure sure. I get the last word. Yeah. <laughs> Not always though, but all right. Well, David, fantastic as always to talk with you. So tell folks how they can get in touch with you.
1: E- easiest place is right online, davidjpfisher.com. dot um, I do a lot of writing. If you if you dig uh, Andy stuff, you might like mine uh, because he will. writes. He writes a lot of stuff that I go, gosh darn it. You know, Well, it makes my life easy because I don't have to write that article. I'm like, Andy wrote it. He wrote it better <laughs> than I could have done it, so fantastic. But yeah, find me there on Twitter, DFishRockstar, or LinkedIn at uh, linkedin.com slash D
0: DFish. Yeah, we mm-hmm. didn't even get a chance to get into the whole DFish nickname, but we <laughs> have time. in the past. Next we have in the past, time. so we don't have to this time. All For right, sure. David, as always, and if I don't talk to you before July, which I'm sure I will, but just in case I don't, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate All right, it. talk to you soon. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for this week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, David J.P. Fisher, D.Fish, thank you. Uh, join me again next week as my guest will be Brendan Kane. Brendan's a growth strategist, keynote speaker, and author of a book titled One Million Followers How He Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. So, any guesses what Brendan and I will be talking about? That's right. Good work. We'll be talking about why and how you should be building a massive social following, and you'll enjoy this conversation. So be sure to join us then. Before you go, I do have a favor to ask. I mean, if you enjoy this podcast, if you listen to it regularly, then everyone here who works on the show would really appreciate if you Take a moment, rate and review Accelerate on iTunes. It's really been a while since we asked, folks, and appreciate if you could take a second and do that. So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.